Hello, and welcome to the Queen Trail podcast. Queen Trail, a woman who emphasizes a life of passion expressed through personal style, leisurely pastimes, charm, and a cultivation of life's pleasures. I am Syl Annan, and I invite you to join me in exploring and savoring life's riches and the beauty that surrounds us. In the company of friends, we can laugh, discover, appreciate, and support each other. So I hope that you will join me where I will talk about everything that makes up the rich and diverse fabric of a delightful life. Let's cultivate vibrant conversation together. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. What a great week. Started out with a holiday. Nothing better than that. And I hope you enjoyed that intro. That was a composition by Mike Acosta, Michael Acosta, who was my co-host on episode nine, Martin Luther King Jr. and spreading love out into the world. Mike is just a great musician. Thanks a lot, Mike. It's also staying brighter longer, which I absolutely love, even though it's really, I don't know what, five o'clock now, but that's still an extra hour. I'll take it. And my friend Carla stopped by the other day and dropped off a bunch of oranges. Oh my God, these are the best oranges that I've ever tasted. And you cut them open and it's like this gorgeous technicolor orange color on the inside and they're so juicy I mean she did write that they were juicing oranges but sweet like candy I can't believe it so she wrote a little note on there that said I know you can do something creative with these (laughs) which is an immediate challenge to me I mean I love using up whatever it is that's in the house. So you heard the episode about the 10 pounds of potatoes. I just allow whatever is here to dictate what the meals are going to be. So when it's seasonal stuff like that, wow, things just taste so much better. And even before she dropped the oranges off, I did a little bit of gardening and there were a bunch of bell peppers. There was some of that purple cauliflower that I had talked about in a previous episode that I wasn't able to to dig out from last year's plant. I mean, it's got some really deep roots. It had all of these little shoots coming off of it. And I made the most amazing cauliflower tacos with homemade pepitas. We had a Cinderella pumpkin and we finally roasted it, pureed it, roasted the seeds. Oh my gosh, those tacos, you guys, those tacos, I could eat those for breakfast, lunch, and dinner as well. There's a lot of stuff that I could eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're like, you're gonna hear me saying that a lot, but it's true. And then I also realized that I could never eat everything for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because there's too many things that I like and I couldn't eat them all. So I spaced them out. And, you know, that works out really well for me. And I just put the seeds in the freezer. I love the freezer. I think that's my favorite tool in the kitchen because I can just fully cook things and use them whenever I feel like it. Like we finally got through all of the cinnamon rolls from those 10 pounds of potatoes, just having them for breakfast in the mornings or when people came over, we served cinnamon rolls and everybody got super excited. But, you know, you just heat up whatever's in there and it crisps up or, you know, it warms up and it tastes 
super fresh. So you're basically stopping the aging of whatever it is that you've got. And I also made a casserole so that we could have breakfasts on the run. I used the hash browns that we had made. And that's how this stuff works. So we had frozen some butternut squash when that was in production in the garden. So I roasted those chunks. And I also used up several of the discs of hash browns. Those went on the bottom. Then I did like this vegetable medley that included the roasted butternut squash that went over the top of the hash browns. And then I did a whole entire carton, 12 eggs with some heavy cream and some spices and a couple other things in there and poured that over the top of everything and then dotted the top with feta cheese and a little bit of Parmesan cheese because that's what was in the refrigerator. And so the cool thing is, if you've ever frozen anything or you've ever been around somebody who knows the properties of frozen food, you've probably been told that you cannot refreeze something once you've pulled something out of the freezer and completely thawed it out because it does get denatured while it's in there. It changes consistency and it just does not refreeze well. But for example, the butternut squash got roasted So it went through another process. And now because it's in a different consistency, you can now refreeze it. Yeah, there's a science to that. So anyway, getting back to these oranges, I had them in the kitchen for a little bit. We were eating them. They are, oh my gosh, they are so, like I said, like candy. They're incredibly delicious. And then I finally thought, you know, I better do something with them. And so I've settled on these orange and semolina flower shortbreads with an orange glaze and poppy seeds. Oh my gosh, they are so good. Just absolutely delicious. And we made a bunch of orange juice. And then I took all the peels because I hate wasting anything. I scraped the pulp off and then I sliced those peels into strips jammed as many of them, I mean, like until I could not jam another peel into two different jars. I ended up using all of them. And then you pour vinegar, white vinegar over the top of that, and it ends up making a natural cleaner for your kitchen. And, you know, one of these days I'm going to have to figure out what to do with the pulp, but it did end up getting composted. So I've got this nagging guilt thing, you know, like, I mean, I guess I do know where it came from, but I can't waste any part of whatever it is that I have. If I have food, I feel like there is, um, I don't want to really use the word sin, but it's, I think the word that I'm going to use because again, I'm not religious and I feel like there's a lot of guilt tripping associated with sins having grown up Catholic trust me, like everything I did was a sin. I was just like, you know, I'm going to go to hell since I was like two years old. Um, But I do feel like there is a sinful quality to wasting food. It's there's like this wantonness about it. There's this disregard, this lack of appreciation, this lack of respect for sustenance. And It's just something that's ingrained in me. I feel like I said in that 10 pounds of potatoes episode that you really need to kind of honor what's in front of you and use it up as much as you can. And that might seem like a bit of a waste of time to some people. I know that we're all busy. I have turned cooking 
into kind of a meditative thing for me, a kind of therapy for me. And I feel really good when I use every little bit of whatever it is. It's almost like a challenge. And when I'm successful or I learn something new, I just derive so much satisfaction from that. It's completely worth it to me. Like um, I grow artichokes too. Oh my God, my artichoke plant is like so happy. I cannot wait to see how many artichokes I get. I think like last year we got, I don't know, 40 of them. It was a lot and it was glorious. But what I found out with the artichokes is when you steam them in water and you leave that water overnight, this was an accidental discovery because the following day when I dumped that water out into the sink and Sophie was standing next to me, both of us in sotto voce in like this uh, just astonished voice went, (gasps) that water was this gorgeous emeraldy teal color. And I was immediately regretful that I was dumping it down the sink. I wish I I, I need to go and find a a white t-shirt so that I could dye it and do something that, you know, get back in touch with something that our ancestors used to do. So anyway, I do feel like it's really important for me. It's my little contribution and whether it makes an enormous difference to the world at large. It is that story of the sea star, that guy that walks down the beach and there's all of these sea stars that have washed up on shore and they're dying. And he picks one up and he flings it back into the sea. He picks up the next one and flings that one back into the sea and so on. And a fisherman stops him and says, you're not ever going to make a difference. You're, you're not going to make a dent. All these sea stars are going to die. And he bends down, picks up another one, flings it into the sea and says, I just made a difference for that one. So I just feel like I'm making a difference that affects me positively. So it's what I do. And wow, that was like a long philosophical trip to telling you why I used up the peels of these oranges and was upset with having to waste the pulp. And I had to tell myself with the pulp that it's getting composted. And that is still doing something with that pulp. And, you know, trust me, there are times where we get too busy or, you know, I've been sick, whatever, you know, things spoil. So it's not like I'm never throwing food out, but it does make me sad. It's more profound than sad. It just, it makes me feel like somehow I have um, failed mother nature or something, you know, something grew. And its purpose of growing was to feed somebody. And now that purpose has not been fulfilled, I guess. So anyway, I'm getting way too philosophical here. Just, you know, in a split second, this is the stuff that goes through my mind that took all of these years to form. And it's not like I sit there and preach or lecture anybody. If you got stuff in your fridge that needs to go, man, it needs to go. That's the other thing. I'm a former nutritionist, and I do not want anybody eating stuff that's going to make them sick. You know, salmonella poisoning, uh, you know, throw the stuff out. Don't get sick over it. But I went to the market, and they had their day-old bread there in the middle of the aisle. And they had this huge shopping cart filled with things like 
bagels and croissants and donuts and pies. And, and they all had like the following day's date on them. So they were definitely not bad, but either they got a huge shipment or whatever. Somebody just decided we're cleaning all this stuff out today. And they had one of those fruit tarts inside of the tart shell. It's like a chocolate base. And then there's the custard that's on top. And then they put the kiwi and the berries and, you know, make it look really pretty. And I was like, ooh, you know, it's regularly like $10. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll take this home. I'm making cookies and I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, this is so pretty. It's like this gorgeous jewel. I want to take it home too and have more sugar in the house, (laughs) which is one of those mindless things that we do. So I'm looking at it and immediately the nutritionist in me speaks up and says, dairy products need to be refrigerated at all times. And I'm thinking, all right, let me find out how much this is. And it was $6.99. It was marked down from $9.99 to $6.99. And I immediately was like, it's probably been out for like two hours and they still want you to pay seven bucks for this. I'm literally like, That was too much money for me to buy it. But, you know, like if it would have been marked down to $2.99, I would have risked getting salmonella. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Anyway, I ended up not buying it. And I made these cookies with the oranges and I made the orange juice and I made cleaning product. And I hope that it works. I'll let you know. It has to sit in a dark, cool place for like two weeks. We'll see. We'll see how it works. But as I'm making all of this stuff, I got all of that orange oil. The orange oil is in the peel. So like if you ever get essential oils, those oils are made from cold pressing those peels. Um, I have like a ridiculous amount of certifications. I was certified as an aromatherapist. I had my nutrition certification. I've got a certification or a license as an amateur ham radio operator. That's a long story. I'm not going to add to it because I'm looking at the time that's going and I've already been talking for like 25 minutes, which is nothing. So I mean, if I added that story, this would be like a three hour episode and like the three hour tour, you might never return from it. So I'm just going to leave that for another day. But yeah, I even had a license as a VIN vehicle verifier another oh my god that one's gonna be several episodes lots of stories on that but anyway okay back to the oranges so I'm sitting there and I'm juicing oranges and I'm cutting peels and I'm doing all of this stuff like I'm really handling these oranges and getting those oils on my hands and and I hadn't put my contacts in So just like start scrubbing and scrubbing like I'm about to go into surgery because I'm thinking how this stuff is going to burn my eyes and I have to get every single little bit of it off because I wasn't using gloves, which you really don't need to if you're not going to be touching your eyes or putting contact lenses in or anything like that when you're handling oranges. But apparently washed enough of it off where I was fine. My eyes were not bothering me and I could see... The reason that I was freaking out about the essential oils is that I was chopping up some garlic once and it was the same sort of thing. We were going to go to my sister's house probably for like Thanksgiving or Christmas. And for some reason, my mind's thinking that I was making bruschetta uh, with all of the garlic that I was chopping, which I haven't made in a really long time. That sounds really good. 
I'll have to make it this weekend, maybe. Anyway, I was chopping up all of this garlic, and then I realized I hadn't put my contact lenses in. So I washed my hands really well, and I put a contact in. Not even prepared for the level of pain. It was just like, ah, thunk. I just fell to the floor, clutching my eye. I was sure I was going to be blinded for life. So I still had one more contact to put in. So there I am scrubbing my hands again and scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing. And finally, I'm like, okay, all of this garlic oil that has completely permeated into my fingers is surely either washed off the surface or too deep in my skin to be a problem with the second contact. So I take a deep breath. I steal myself for this pain, put the contact in, and it's like, ah, thunk again on the floor. If you watched Kill Bill, do you remember when the bride plucks Daryl Hannah's good eye out? I can empathize with that scene. You're watching Daryl Hannah totally rolling around, twisting, screaming, just in literal pain, clutching her eye, hissing, spitting. Um, yeah, I've been there. I, I knew what Daryl Hannah was feeling. I mean, like, thank God, both of my eyes are fine and I can see. But oh, if you wear contacts, <laughs> put gloves on, if you haven't put them in, or put them in way before you do some of the stuff. I mean, there's like some really crazy oils that come off of a lot of food and you think that you're fine. Like onions, anything in the allium family, onions, shallots, leeks, garlic, of course, you know, like wait three days before you put those contacts in. Jalapenos, of course, hot peppers, even the sweet peppers sometimes will leave the residual. And then citrus fruits, I'm sure that there's other stuff that I'm not thinking about right now, but man, that was the worst thing ever. But anyway, I will put all of this stuff up. I may put the recipes up. I may wait a little bit on those because I like to put those up on the .com, thequeentrailpodcast.com. So we have decided to do something new, Sophie and I. We're going to start doing lists with Sophie's. She and I had some things to say about this. This is specifically about Los Angeles. I get a lot of questions from my friends who are not from Los Angeles. And all of the crazy conversations that I have with my friends who are from Los Angeles. I mean, this is a very diverse, interesting place to live in. You get people from all walks of life, from all over the world, who are here with different perspectives, different ideas of how to do things, or just, you know, plain old nutty stuff. I have a story about homelessness. I joined a group that was giving food to the homeless for a specific reason that I will get into on a future podcast, but I ended up joining this group that went on Skid Row. It had never occurred to me to speak with homeless people. Skid Row is not a destination point for a lot of people. You know, if you're going to go into downtown Los Angeles, you're going over to the Walt Disney Concert Hall, or you're going over to one of the museums, or you're going over to one of the amazing restaurants that are over there, you're going to a place like the last bookstore, you're checking out something that's going on at Pershing Square or Grand Central Market, or you're going to ride the funicular, Um, you're going to go see the Biddy Mason Memorial. 
Clearly, I go to downtown Los Angeles way too much. I love downtown Los Angeles, but Skid Row is not ever a destination for me. So this experience was very unique for somebody who is so immersed in the heart of Los Angeles and Los Angeles, the, the sprawling metropolis that we live in that has such a huge variety of remarkable places and remarkable people. But that was an opportunity for me to actually see the residents of Skid Row firsthand and to talk to some of them. And so there was a normalcy to many of them. They were in dire straits. Some of them were there by choice, living off the grid, so to speak. Some of them looked like they had jobs and were living in their cars. Um, everybody's got a reason. I know that homelessness is an enormous issue. I mean, especially here in Los Angeles, it's, you know, the rights of the homeless versus the rights of the businesses, the, you know, the mess, the mess is a big problem. But, um, you know, to wrap this up and get back to what my original point was, a lot of those homeless were there because of substance abuse issues and mental issues. And so because we live in Los Angeles, homelessness is clearly an enormous issue. And when you run into some of these folks, some (laughs) very interesting scenarios play out. You know, sometimes they're, they're amusing and harmless, and sometimes they're like downright crazy. So yeah, so there's lots of Los Angeles stories That said, if you've never been to Los Angeles, homelessness is not everywhere. It does tend to be kind of a congregational symptom of society not working as well as it should. And, you know, so they do tend to congregate in certain places. So Sophie and I are going to jump around a bit on this list. It's called 40 Things That Only Happen in Los Angeles and Not Anywhere Else. I'm having a hard time believing that with some of the things I've seen on this list, but here is the conversation that Sophie and I had. I hope you enjoy it. I'm here with my daughter, Sophia. Hello. And as I had said on previous podcasts, this was originally supposed to be a co-hosted podcast, but Sophie is an incredibly busy busy. girl. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so it's been, you know, mostly me and I am enjoying some coffee that Sophie got me for Christmas. And the cool thing is it's a coffee club. The first box that I got from them is two packages of Chinese coffee. I didn't even know that there was Chinese coffee. And apparently this is from the Yunnan region. I am picky about my coffees. This is a very good coffee, and... um, Yeah, it's pretty good. I got it because we always drink coffee together, so I thought it'd be like... It's it's kind of also a self-gift because we drink coffee together, but it's a cool company, and they gave us a little... The truth comes out. (laughs) They gave us a little postcard and little information about it, so I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's really good, and I like to drink my coffee hot unless it's nitro cold brewed. I love nitro cold brewed and we have a nitro cold brew coffee maker here in the house. So I'm kind of excited to try it with this, but I also picked up some coffee at an Italian market. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. It was like very finely ground and it was like 
Turkish. Yeah, it was really good though. And it's very caramelly. And because it's so finely ground, I think I'm going to make some iced coffee. Have you made any iced coffee with it? Um... No, I don't think so. I mainly drink my coffee cold, though, so... Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to use that Turkish coffee because it's going to really infuse that cold water and then turn it into nitro cold brew. And nitro cold brew is a gift from the gods. It <laughs> is so amazing. And that I will drink black because it's super creamy. And it's like having a Guinness for breakfast with caffeine instead of alcohol it's just very viscousy it's got a nice head on it very very, smooth very smooth right because i think that during the process of infusing it a lot of the elements that are bitter in coffee get removed and so you just have this amazing coffee but anyway it's very good coffee (laughs) thank you for gifting yourself and gifting me with the gift of coffee yes yes You know, somebody who gives you caffeine really loves you. (laughs) So today, we're going to talk about this article that I just came across the other day. It is 40 things that are considered totally normal in Los Angeles, but nowhere else. And it's kind of funny. And, you know, one of the things that my friends who are not from Los Angeles or even California ask me about all the time is what is LA like? So I thought this was a perfect opportunity to answer that. I'm going to just pick and choose some of these things. Maybe we'll go through the whole list. I don't know, because it's, it's pretty funny. So number one is having a therapist and a psychic. <laughs> but we also like read tarot. So that could be considered psychic esque Mm -hmm. in the same realm yeah we're gonna have to pull them out and do a reading Mm -hmm. i think that would be great and i also don't have a therapist but sophie they might function as one for me sometimes (laughs) okay moving on palm trees on fire i have never seen a palm tree on fire live And in person, because, you know, when there's a fire, you usually run the other way. But I have seen them on the news. And I know almost like every year during the 4th of July. Yeah, fire. Yeah, palm trees catch fire because they're so tall and people have illegal fireworks all over the place. So, yeah, it's like World War Three. In (laughs) fact, the first year that I moved here... I was coming down the street and I see one of our neighbors with a full on rocket launcher on his shoulder, just walking down the street like this is a normal thing. I guess it was. It was for many years. And yeah, all the cars go off like you're getting bombed. Like (laughs) it's it's pretty nuts. And anyway, yes, palm trees do catch on fire. Okay, so using the in front of the name of freeways and highways. And I've had people ask me about that. So I didn't realize that this was just a Los Angeles thing. I mean, even though both of us have traveled Mm -hmm. to many places, there's still an insular quality about living in Los Angeles. Like you just assume no matter where you are, you kind of assume that the rest of the world is similar in many ways to where you live, right? So 
I just assumed everybody said the in front of their freeways and highways, but we do say the 110, the 405, the 10, the 605, the 5, the PCH. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's because it's a freeway. It's like a, you know, mode of transportation. So it needs a the in front of it, like a proper noun type thing. Yeah. And the other thing is that we don't, call these freeways or highways by their names Mm -hmm. so for example the 110 is actually the harbor freeway they all have like official names but everyone just uses the numbers yeah like the 91 i don't even know what that one is called yeah i was just i was actually that was the next one i was going to go to and i don't know what that one's called but i know the 710 is the long beach freeway the 10 405 is santa monica is it no i was going to say the 10 is the santa monica freeway but i guess it depends on what direction you're going towards because the 10 ends right there by the pier by the santa monica pier so that's the santa monica freeway but you know it stretches way deep into like riverside i think or san bernardino county or something so in that direction i have no idea like you know of course it would change the 110 if you take it to its northern end it becomes the pomona freeway because now you're closer to pomona than you are to the harbor yeah so i think that's why we use the numbers because depending on what stretch of the freeway you are on all of a sudden it has a different name yeah you know place yeah yeah because they're very long these various highways and freeways let's see number four i don't know i think we get pegged for this a lot i think it's an unfair assessment and maybe it's because i am always hot i always have been since i was a kid i just uh run hotter than the average person in terms of comfort levels but number four is dressing for a blizzard whenever the temperature dips under 70. (laughs) and 70 is pretty warm to me i know that sometimes when i'm freezing at night i'll turn the heater up to 70 and then an hour later i'm like why is the house so hot Yeah, I mean, I I do agree with this one, though, because I feel like it doesn't account for the wind. And I feel like L.A. is a pretty windy place. You wouldn't think so, but I feel like it's pretty windy, like, throughout, at least, like, over where we are, because we have the ocean. It's pretty windy, but even downtown is, like, really windy because of those big buildings. The wind just, like, shoops. Yeah, turns into breezeways. When it's 70, it's, like, super cold. I always bundle up. (laughs) I know, I know. I think you're always colder than I am. I definitely get cold, but I don't get cold until at least... 60 like pretty close to 60 and maybe going down into the high 50s is where I'm like it's starting to get cold but otherwise I do just have always run hot um okay let's see number five not seeing a friend for years because even though they're only five miles away they're over the hill in the valley first of all the valley is not just five miles away (laughs) okay for example D that used to live next door, she moved like three or four blocks away and we never see each other mm-hmm. because she's not right next door anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like three or four blocks isn't that far, but. And it's like anytime we get together, we have such a blast. I think that's true. I think that distance is definitely a factor in 
seeing somebody, you know, like one of these, I'm going to try to find it real quickly, cracked me up, which is number 10. Someone is GU or geographically undesirable as a potentially significant other if they live more than 30 miles away. Mm -hmm. That is so true. You live in LA, you grow up with traffic. It's just part of life here in LA. But to be in that traffic day in and day out take serious commitment Mm -hmm. and then you start thinking you might as well stay there now your whole entire weekend has to be planned over wherever you're going so yeah you know that is a big deal you know like earlier Sophie and I were talking about (laughs) I I really like kind of like electronica tech house trap music I not kind of like I love it so I was listening to data life they have a song that's called So Young, So High. And it's it's a really fun song. And I go, you know, this song just makes you feel so good. And Sophie goes, yeah, so do the drugs that you're supposed to be taking when you listen to that song. It was just like pretty funny. But we got on this conversation about it. And there was this guy that I went on like two dates with, you know, and I, I pretty much knew after the first date that that it was a no-go, but, um, you know, he wasn't a terrible person. So I did go on a second date and he was telling me that he had some edibles with him. And did I want to try them? And I am not a person who takes drugs. I just, I just don't. I mean, like, I'm already happy enough with life. Like, I think life is pretty damn amazing. So I said, no, thank you. And he actually called me a goody two-shoes. Yeah. Oh, you're being a square right now. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? 60s? Excuse me? Last year was the very first time in my entire life where I said, no, thank you. And somebody called me a goody two-shoes. I was just like, and now you know why there wasn't a third date. Number seven, surfing at sunrise and snowboarding at sunset. You definitely could do that. The funny thing is that we were just talking about five miles to go and see somebody. Oh, my God. But we're willing to do stuff like that regularly. Yeah. And I think that part of it is that once you get out, you want to do as much as you can because you are going to be fighting the traffic. I mean, generally what Sophie and I do, we will plan not just our main visit and find out what else is around there and explore So we definitely are urban explorers and that's just paid off in so many ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, you want, you, in essence, you want to experience everything that you can in the amount of time and place that you're going to. So, well, I mean, we have some great playlists. We talk a lot. We just talk about random stuff as we're driving and then so we sing them at the top of our lungs and whatever, you know. Yeah. So we have a, I mean, we have a good time when we're driving, you know. Number eight, I think we're going to skip this one because complaints can go on forever, but it is complaining about literally everything in your city and choosing to live there anyway. I don't even know that that is honestly just an LA thing. I would say that's an everybody thing. Like, I think a lot of people complain about the situation that they're in, but then, like, don't move or don't change Mm -hmm. because it's comfortable to be here or the pros outweigh the cons, but it's still, like, it's like a stress reliever to be, like, complaining to somebody. Like, getting everything off your chest 
is like helpful for your mental state, I feel like. So it's like more beneficial to like complain about it than like keep it all pent up inside. It could be, but then I think it also turns into a bad habit, you know, where you start looking for the things to complain about rather than the things to appreciate. Yeah, I'm just thinking right now, you know, we can finish this episode and get in the car, drive five minutes and be at a cliffside hiking trail Mm -hmm. and, you know, take our dinner with us and sit there and watch the The sunset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not this weekend, though, because apparently there is a tsunami warning and um, everybody might die on the West Coast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that'll happen. But I think that what they were saying is that the waves are going to be a bit bigger. That's a lot. There's a lot. I think that you're right, that you should be able to complain about things that are bothering you, that you can't change. Change the things you can't accept, accept the things you can't change. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that that kind of helps. That's a really good quote. Right. There's a lot to do in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> moving on. Number nine. Short shorts with Ugg boots. The Ugg boots coming back because of the early 2000s fashion coming back. I've been seeing people wear them. I, I never personally liked them, even when they were popular. I was only jealous because everybody else had them, but I never wanted them myself. You know, they're called Uggs for a reason. <laughs> you know, like that whole joke. Like, yeah. But they look comfy, though. They do look comfortable. That's for sure. Do you wear socks at night? No. Ever? I'm sure your feet get cold sometimes. So sometimes my feet get cold, but generally I have socks on my feet for an hour maybe into bedtime, you know, like once I'm in bed and then I'm kicking them off because my feet get so hot. Yeah. No, I'll end up with like little bundles of socks at the end of my bed (laughs) because like I just kick them off at nighttime. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Bringing your dog everywhere... And obviously in a stroller. Um, So we don't have dogs. We have cats. And they don't really like to travel. They get very traumatized when we Mm -hmm. put them in in a cat carrier just to take them to the vet. But if they did not get that upset, I think that we would take them everywhere with us. We would have the cat on the leash sitting (laughs) on our shoulders. Yeah, like the that guy who takes his cat on like adventures and stuff like that. Like I know swimming. There's like cats that go swimming. There's cats that people have just like chilling in their car with them. The amount of people I see with like strollers and dogs in them is like crazy. Like the other day, I saw this lady. She had a dog on a leash, or she was actually holding one dog, and then there was another dog in her purse. Like, she was just, like, walking across the street with these two dogs, and I was like, oh, my God, like, those dogs are living luxury, you know? Yeah, yeah, I do see a lot of people jogging with their dogs in the stroller. They're so normalized here in Los Angeles that I was thinking of purchasing one to put the cats in there. Yeah. And just, you know, take them around the neighborhood, but I don't think they would appreciate it. It just kind of became pretty obvious that they wouldn't, but I don't know. I might still do that. And then we have a tortoise. I don't think he would care one way or another if we were taking him anywhere. Okay, number 12, incredible Mexican food. 
I have to say, we have bomb Mexican food in LA for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really good here. I've had really good Mexican food in Arizona as well, in Texas. I mean, all of the states that border Mexico, you're going to have really good Mexican food. I remember going to Florida one time ages ago, and it was literally the worst Mexican (laughs) food I have ever had in my entire life. I don't think there was even a Mexican chef in the kitchen. If you're going to be serving a particular cuisine, you've got to have somebody yeah. of that culture, at least like orchestra. Authenticated. <laughs> Authenticating. Yes. the right ingredients at the very least. I bet in Florida they have really good Cuban food yeah. and like Jamaican food. I'm trying to think of what, you know, what else would be over there. Yeah. Puerto Rican, maybe. Yeah. I bet you all of that stuff is just bomb over there but yeah that was (laughs) terrible Mexican food and then remember that one time we were coming back from visiting Chuck and Joanne in Arizona and we stopped at that gas station and I went in because we were burritos we were kind of hungry burritos ever oh my god those so good we're still dreaming about them I went in there and it didn't look all that fabulous and I didn't have high hopes but I you know I went ahead and ordered a burrito It was not only the biggest burrito, it was the most delicious. It was, and it was super cheap too. The four of us ate it. It was, we were so impressed and we got over to the California side. I mean, I I actually was thinking maybe I should turn around and get like another one because who knows when I'm going to have one of these again, but it was delicious. I couldn't believe it. It's always the whole, the hole in the wall places that always have, like, really authentic, really good food. And mm-hmm. you're always like, mm, this is a little sketchy, but it's really, really good. Yeah, it's like you're going, well, you know, I might get salmonella, yeah. or I might get something really good. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it'll be an experience. I don't think I've ever gotten sick from restaurant food. I really haven't. I mean, you know, sometimes I worry about it, like, especially uh, the other thing that we have here in Los Angeles is the tamaleros. Mm, so yeah. they're walking around yelling tamales and they're pulling yeah, a, a cooler <laughs> behind them yeah. that has all the hot tamales in there. Yeah. Have literally never gotten sick. Really good Mexican food here. Number 13, slow traffic on every freeway. Oh, that gridlock is so bad. <laughs> And high-speed chases in the middle of rush hour. Yeah. Where people are weaving in and out of cars or using the uh, the shoulders. Yeah. Almost barely hitting people. And, you know, rush hour is a complete misnomer because rush hour is literally when everybody rushes to go get to on go a parking nowhere. lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's gotten a little bit better because of navigation systems. I tend to use the Waze all the time. Quite a few times there's been huge wrecks on the freeway and I'll hear it reconfiguring the route. Yeah. And it'll say, you know, to get off. Usually I'm like already, I'm, I'm in the, the fast lane and the exit it's telling me to get off at is like right there. You yeah. know, it's like... In 100 feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get off. And it's like, oh, right. everyone hold on. <laughs> Can't be helped. But there's also, even when like I'm driving to school, there's certain lanes that I will stay in and certain points in the freeway where I know that if I don't get over here, it will be harder to get over farther up. 
like I plan my route by like moving over lanes, you know, like yeah. I'll get in on the freeway, I'll get in the fast lane and then maybe five miles before my exit, I'll get over in a certain place and then I'll get over again and then I'll finally be in the right lane to get off the freeway. Like you learn how to do stuff like that, like yeah. planning your route. And you know, like everybody's driving at different paces. Yeah. That's the thing. The freeways are all like, most of them are 65. I think that the 710 is still one of the ones that has like a 55 speed limit or yeah, something, yeah. right? Because of the trucks. Because yeah, of the trucks. trucks. All the, yeah. So most of them are 65 miles per hour, but everybody is going 80. Mm-hmm. And so that was the norm for the longest time, you know? And then if you're not going to go 80, don't get in the fast lane. Generally, I go, you know, I do go around people like that. I don't get up on people's butts. It's so upsetting to me when somebody gets on my ass that I realize that if I don't like it, I should not be doling that out. And I think when you're when you live in Los Angeles, that is a constant. I don't know if it happens in other places. I kind of feel like other places that I've driven in. I don't end up with that issue. People tend to drive a whole lot slower everywhere else, too. <laughs> yeah. Like when we were, where were we? Oklahoma. They had a speed limit, but then they had like a, like you had to be in between two speeds. Like there was like a speed max and a speed min. That was Oklahoma. Yeah, where it was like, oh, you have to be driving at least this much, but not over this like thing, mm-hmm. which was very interesting to see because like, Everybody on the LA freeways is going like 90, 100 miles an hour. Like even one time I was driving 75 and a police officer passed me. Like he didn't even like stop, nothing. He like passed me like going 80. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, this is normal here to be like going way over the speed limit. The other thing that they did in Oklahoma that I thought was interesting is that they've got the two-lane highway, but you're really not supposed to use what we would normally consider the fast lane. It was called the passing lane. So once you passed the cars that were going slower, you needed to stay out of there, or you would be ticketed if you used it exclusively. Mm which I find very odd, yeah. but... I know it is, like, etiquette, too. Like, when you're on those really long highways, if someone's pulled over to the side, like, get over in the other lane just in case. And you only see that everywhere but L.A. Like, that yeah, just that does not happen in L.A. Highways, no. no, nobody gets out of the way. So <laughs> I know, like, I picked up that habit from driving in other states to get over and just be courteous. I know that people hit a limit. Some people hit a limit after the first driver does something wrong, but you do hit a limit after a certain time. And and it's not just for people. It's like, no, it's, like a, it's everybody. <laughs> it's everybody doing all of this crazy stuff and you're, you know, you do hit your limit. So this one time, Sophie and I came over the bridge and we hit the red light and there's three lanes there. So we were in the right lane. And this lady stopped in the middle lane. And then this guy in this really like beefed up with a lift kit truck. He pulls up next to her, rolls down his window and looks over at her. And he was like so menacing and you could feel the tension. He rolls down the window and he looks at this petite little girl who, you know, maybe had just gotten her license and was trying to get to the expert level that this jerk was at, he leans over and yells at her, hey, sweetheart, 
If you can't drive it, park it. <laughs> and Sophie and I are just like, what a loser picking on a young girl like that. I, I literally can't believe that guy did that. Oh, my God. It was yeah. like so terrible. <laughs> and we just like we couldn't stop talking about it. But then... It ended up being our little mantra. We just like do it not, yeah. definitely not in the way like, he jokingly. did it. Jokingly. Somebody, you, you can't get around them. You can't drive it, pocket. Figure it out. Yeah. Get out the way. We usually do it in a jizzy voice. If you can't drive it, pocket, baby. You know, yeah. and, and it's just kind of funny the way that we do it. Definitely don't do it that mean, but like, yeah. don't drive angry. Okay, moving on. <laughs> that was a lot. Um, number 14, wearing leather jackets in the height of summer because brunch. I don't know that. I don't have a leather jacket. We, we, no, well, you used to have that cute little to. gray one. Remember yeah, that? I wear it all the time, though. Like, even when it was summertime. So I guess, I mean, I didn't do it because brunch, but. I would say because fashion, you know, like that would be a better thing. Like, yeah, we definitely tend to get very uncomfortable in the name of fashion, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. Know, where And especially like it gets hot, you know, it'll yeah. get like 100 degrees and you even have a t-shirt on and that's too hot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 24. Yes, this happens. Absolutely everyone and everything falling apart every time it rains. Yeah. People do not know how to drive. They don't know how to walk. People do lose it when it rains. I mean, it's just like a catastrophe because we do not get enough rain. We really don't. Sometimes when it rains, it's like the rain of the entire year. Like it'll just pour. Like the sky opens up and it. I I cannot believe how much rain we got. Like, It's like three days of like pouring rain. So it's like when stuff like that happens... Especially driving in it. Like, our, our streets aren't built for it. Like, we have flooding a lot of the times in certain places in the city because the system isn't built for it. Yeah, the oil builds up, so people get into car accidents because they don't slow down properly. And then people just aren't taught how to, like, prepare for things like that. Like, they'll slam on their brakes and then spin out of control and cause a big oh accident. Like, Remember driving back from Ohio in that downpour? Yeah. You barely see what's in front of you. It was I get, dark. It was so dark. So normally what we do when we're coming back from Ojai, we'll take the coast. So because I do that every single time we left Ojai this last time and it started pouring rain and it didn't dawn on me that that was a horrible idea to take the coast. If you've ever been on the PCH, you know, from like, I think that's Oxnard like you're over by Rice Avenue and then you're going past Naval Base there. Yeah. And then you're on these very windy roads on the side of cliffs. On the opposite side of the beach are all of these hills and there are always landslides. Yeah. Yeah, there's like fences and like walls just holding up the side of the cliffs. So that it doesn't come tumbling down when like rain happens or fires or anything. Yeah literally no street lights so I was white knuckling it I don't even know how long it took I just know I was incredibly stressed out we didn't hit any landslides we clearly did not go off any off the side of the road (laughs) thank god but that was really scary going through there and then 
the two times that I hit these giant ponds were on the freeway. So the second time I was not in the slow lane. So on the on the 101 in Ventura over by Ojai, we hit that giant pond mm-hmm. in the slow lane, right? And then we get back onto the 101 after going through Malibu. And I'm not going in the slow lane because that's where all the water accumulates. So I'm in the fast lane. I go under that. I go through that tunnel and thunk, I hit another one. And I was like, I just can't with this. Um, It was, and and it just poured on us the entire time. That's like an issue where like we don't have enough drainage systems. Like our, our streets are literally not like built for that amount of water that we get every single year, which is just insane at this point that we haven't done anything about it. But, like... And we don't even collect it. That's no, the other thing. Like, it gets yeah. completely wasted. Yeah, the whole thing about, like, the L.A. River, if they would fix it, we would have water and we wouldn't have as many issues with droughts and stuff like that. And I know it's a huge, insane project, but it's, like, drought or more water, you know? But, yeah, people do fall apart when it rains. I think... Interestingly, since our trip to Costa Rica, I do not mind the rain anymore. I still mind it. I don't like getting wet. <laughs> like it was it was sprinkling just ever so slightly yesterday and I had to leave for work and I was like I forgot a jacket and I was like, if it rains on me and I show up at work wet, I'm gonna be really upset. I I it just like it ruins your whole day when you're like all put together and you like walk outside and then it's like pouring and you're like oh I'm gonna have like wet shoes and wet hair and my hair will be all curly because there's more water in the air yeah the curly hair and if it gets a drop on it it just you know like the frizz but yeah you know like I don't really mind the rain that much um I think when I travel away from Los Angeles and end up somewhere where there's a lot of rain like when I went to Austria I mean, I think in those situations, you get used to it, but I don't think I could live, like, in a rainy place. Like, Seattle, Washington, like, I don't think I could forever live there because of how much rain there is. It would be a constant in your life. But, like, when we were in Costa Rica, it was like, oh, well, I'm only here for 10 days. It's not as big of a deal. That was rain, though. Yeah. That was a huge tropical storm that came through and it flooded out places and we barely made it out of a few of them by the the skin of our teeth. We were driving along this road going through the cloud forest and the rainforest and and I'm like, oh my God, look at all these waterfalls. This is so cool. And the driver's like, this is not normal. Oh my god. Yeah, was... like the river flooded, it messed up a lot of houses. We yeah. went to that dam and it was just like spewing water like nothing anyone had ever seen. Mike, so my cousins in Guillermo and they're Costa Ricans, native Costa Ricans, and they took us to this dam, the Gachi, I think is what it was called. And it was unbelievable the amount of water, the pressure just shooting out creating these huge clouds Mm -hmm. going up into the cloudy sky so it's just like clouds everywhere and just the power of that sound and even they were like are you getting this on film are you getting this (laughs) like this is not normal that's all we kept hearing the whole time we were in costa rica because i was like oh well it rains like this all the time right everybody was like 
this is not normal. And <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah. okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, I got the cool experience, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool trip. Um, okay, let's see. Number 25, veggie wrap, sans the wrap, club sandwich without the bread, crustless pizza, cheeseburgers with onion protein style. Totally. We are such carb-free nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Anywhere that you can save calories, and, you know, this all speaks to this vanity culture, the the Los Angeles vanity culture. And um, I remember I got lost in Texas one time. My phone died. I didn't have a charger in the car. I was totally lost. I didn't even know what hotel I was in. (laughs) And I kept going in circles because I was on this lower freeway and I was trying to figure out how to get up to the top, which is where I thought I needed to be. And Finally, I pulled off of the road. I went into a hotel that was clearly not my hotel. And I walked in there and I'm like, I just can't, I cannot believe I got myself into this mess. And I'm walking in and the hostess looked at me and immediately pegged me as, as somebody in huge need of help. I, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I am like so lost. My phone is dead. And she was so sweet. And the first thing she said was, you, you know, like she felt really badly. And she goes, she goes, honey. I'm so sorry that you're, you know, that you're lost. I'm going to help you, but I'm just wondering, can I give you a hug? Will you let me give you a hug? And I was like, yes. (laughs) And the next thing she asked me was, are you from Los Angeles? And I said, yeah, how did you know? And she goes, oh, because everybody from Los Angeles is beautiful. And I just thought that was like, you know, first of all, that was really sweet, but I don't think she meant it like, to flatter me I she just meant it as a fact you know and I I, there's so many people are so much more beautiful than me but yeah you know Los Angeles is a place where it's just part of the culture to look good Mm -hmm. you know um and especially if you work in certain circles and you want to fit into cute clothes right yeah. So what you do you need to do? Look fit. You need to work out. You need to yeah. be on the fashion trend. So you're always on a diet. You go, oh, you know, the club sandwich without the bread. You know, okay, so this is what I want. Can you put it in a bowl? Because yeah. I want the burrito, but I don't want the tortilla. Yeah. I oh, do bowls, bowls are so popular. I love bowls, honestly. They're so fun. You know, like even with a bowl, a lot of bowls are rice-based. Usually what I do is, can I have double vegetables? 27 just says everything. So yeah, LA is very unique and it's awesome. Um, Let me see. Super Blooms. So Super Blooms became like this huge thing every spring, especially like Anza Borrego. A lot of those desert places, they have supposedly these huge swaths of blooming fields and whatnot with these flowers. So one year, we decided to go check out the Super Bloom. Mm -hmm. And it was at Walker Canyon, Lake Elsinore, which is a trek. Oh, my God. That was (laughs) like so far. I mean, it was... um, Sorry about my squeaky chair. This, This chair squeaks a lot. It was... I don't know, two and a half, maybe even three hours of a drive. I kept looking at this exit, you know, and you start getting off of the freeway and you see the cars already parked along there. And so I'm like, okay, well, we must be close. And so I'm driving along right on the side of the highway there. There's 
a little hillside and it's just a little postage stamp with a bunch of poppies and California barley and lupines and calendulas. Sorry, I have to throw that in there because I'm a nerd. But yeah, like there's a million wildflowers there and it's a very small patch. And there's literally more people than there are flowers. And we ended up driving around and around. And it turns out that that was the super bloom. Yeah. We drove so far. We got some good pictures. We ended up over... Well, we did go to a lake, right? And we took more pictures. Well, Lake Isabella. So then the other interesting thing about Lake Isabella, because we just never go out that way, is a lot of it is private. We kept trying to go see the lake and you would get there and there would be a sign that would say private property. From what I remember, there were only two spots that were public yeah, super blooms, you know, like if you're in the area and you're going to go to super bloom, look up reviews because hopefully people are honest about it and you're not driving three hours to go to a little patch. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I've since done is Sophie and I dug up a whole section of our backyard and just threw a bunch of seeds out there. We actually have a super bloom going right now back there. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty. So another reason why I know all those names because they're growing in my backyard. Having half the city shut down for filming. Like there's a lot of times where streets are shut down for filming. I would not say half the city, but remember when we went to the Broad, we were walking over to Bodega Louie and they were... They were doing some like NCIS type of shot, you know, some, I don't know, they had SWAT vehicles, um, police cruisers. Yeah, they had a lot of stuff. Yeah. So half the city, actually, when you are in downtown LA, our beloved Dietla, a lot of times half of the city is shut down because they're just such iconic streets down there. A 7-Eleven with valet parking. Okay. <laughs> That would be Beverly Hills, yeah. Yeah. Valet at the gym, that happens a lot too because there's just no parking. parking. So they have the valets there who then drive your car like two blocks away to park it so you can go to the gym, you know. I was in Redondo Beach and I parked Avenue D or something like that, okay. I was sitting there for like two minutes, maybe. I had reached over to grab my lunch pulled the lid off of my salad and I hear somebody knocking on the window. So I look over and there's parking enforcement doing the, the universal <laughs> money sign with his fingers and pointing at the meter, you know, and I'm like, are you kidding me? It's just uh, crazy. Helicopters everywhere. Oh yeah. Just this morning we had one fly really close. The whole house was rattling Yeah, they are definitely everywhere, and it's usually LAPD helicopter, but then, of course, there's the news helicopters that go through, but then, like, SoCalEd has helicopters that they use. There's companies and organizations that use helicopters. So there are, 
literally a million helicopters up there. It's almost like, you know, the beginning of the fifth element with Bruce Willis driving that taxi through that very crowded airspace before Mila Jovovich like what she falls through his yeah, roof falls. or something yeah. that's such a great movie i love that movie but you would think that that would be going on here in la for the number of helicopters that go through yeah. but it's, it's like crazy that was the list of 40 things and clearly we added a bunch and we probably could add even more mm-hmm. yeah the la experience is a lot yeah The plan is that we're going to look at these lists that come out. They might not be Los Angeles specific, Los Angeles centric, but as the lists come out, Sophie and I are going to be doing this series called Lists with Sophie, and we'll have little stories that'll go along with them, anecdotes, nonsense, um, just literally just have some fun with each other, have some fun with you guys. But I hope that you enjoyed that Los Angeles list. And yeah, anything you want to add? No. No? Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, it was so far, you know. I know, you're all the way over here. Your room's quite far down the hallway (laughs) from the office. Yeah. Before I continue, I wanted to pay tribute to the great Zen master and peace activist Thich Nhat Hanh, who passed away last week. He was a great promoter of peace, and it leaves a huge hole in the planet. I wanted to provide a quote, but I couldn't have said it any better than Maria Popova of the Marginalian, which used to be brain pickings. So I thought I'd read something directly from that, and I will put a link in the show notes. From Thich Han's book, Fear, Essential Wisdom for Getting Through the Storm. Um, there's a few quotes here. The first one I'm going to quote is, much of our suffering comes from wrong perceptions. To remove that hurt, we have to remove our wrong perceptions. So Thich Nhat Khan in this book, which is a very short, short read, has three steps to understanding. And he says the first thing we can do in situations is to acknowledge internally that the pictures we have in our head, what we think happened may not be accurate. Our practice is to breathe and walk until we are more calm and relaxed. The second thing we can do when we are ready is to tell the people who we think have hurt us that we are suffering. And basically he goes into asking for an explanation so that we can understand. The third thing we need to do if we can is probably the hardest. We need to listen very carefully to the other person's response to truly understand and try to correct our perception. And um, the reason that I'm quoting Maria Popova is because of this quote directly from this piece that she put out. Part of why this is so challenging to the Western mind with its individualistic ideal of self-reliance that too readily metastasizes into self-righteousness is that we grow incredibly insecure 
at the prospect of being wronged and feel incredibly unmoored by the fact of having been wronged in a culture conflating who we are with what we know and what we stand for, the Eastern contemplative traditions can be so salutary with their gentle, steady practice of releasing the clutch of selfing and unclenching the fist of righteousness into an open palm of receptivity. This is a timeless concept that remains timely and something that the world really needs. Just hearkening back to last week's episode on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was also a great friend of Thich Nhat Hanh, and the steps that we need in order to be able to spread more love into the world. So I will put the link in the show notes if you'd like some further reading on this subject. It's hard to go on from there, but I do welcome your questions as always, your stories, your emails. I love reading them. I love hearing from you. You guys are some of the most inspiring people that I hear from. So please keep them coming. Check out the show notes. Anything that we talked about, anything that was mentioned in this episode will be in those show notes. And be sure to leave a rating for me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to me. It really helps to spread the word about the podcast because of the way that the algorithms work. So it helps me and your stories All of my friends' stories reach more people. So don't forget also to follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the dot com at the Queen Trail Podcast. That is T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E Podcast. I update the pages several times a week with upcoming shows, recipes, anecdotes, and so much more. Also, before I forget, there are bloopers and some clips that did not make it to the show that are kind of funny at the very end. So be sure to stay past the end notes. And as always, I wish you passion, grace, elegance, and beauty. From last week... Crazy stuff in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of crazy stories. <laughs> I'm going to take the 91 to the 405 and then get off on the PCH. I'll put a tank top on and then like a long sleeve and then a jacket and then like gloves. <laughs> and a this, scarf. Is just, this is just for the living room, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do drink iced coffees even when it's cold. Because that's very L.A. Like. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. <laughs> Whose child are you? There's no parking anywhere in L.A., really. I'm seriously convinced that there's a lot of people who are stoned and driving. And everyone's like, oh, this is the city of dreams. This is like Hollywood. <laughs> it's so L.A. Oh my god, totally. That only happens in LA and nowhere else.